a podcast about the overlooked, forgotten, and underground tales of San Francisco. This is Sorted SF. Are we good to start? Okay. Hi. 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 Um, so welcome back to another episode of Sorted SF. I think this will be episode seven. So this is Katie. And Katie is here as my guest in lucky number seven, unlucky 13. Happy um, to be here. Thanks. Um, so you just flew in from LA, where you live now. True. But we went to high school together here in the city. And I want to hear what you think your top top three differences between LA and San Francisco. Ooh. Obviously, like we experienced, like you experienced SF at a different time in your life than LA, but like as just the most generalized, what do you think is the most different? Okay, this isn't a difference thing, but this is a firm belief. Okay. LA tacos, San Francisco burritos. Oh. Like that is a law that cannot be disputed interesting okay i see how that could make sense Mm -hmm. yeah all right i buy that Mm -hmm. um um what else i mean i feel like muni is kind of a part of getting around here like you i remember spending new year's eves on On the bus yeah we spent that whole new year's eve at a bus station on judah and ninth which like may be the age thing to your point but i do think (laughs) we were 16 we were 16 but you don't like i've never been on a bus in la i didn't even know there were buses like i knew there were but there's also a subway which i just see that doesn't compute it doesn't compute well because it doesn't go very far because there are hills but i mean there's there's mm. a subway stop maybe three blocks from my apartment really? that I didn't know existed until it goes underground it goes there? underground I had genuinely no idea yeah I had no idea there was an LA subway I've never seen you see pictures and videos like where are the skateboarders they're always in the subways why are they not in the LA why have I seen no LA skateboard subway content yeah I, I don't, don't get, I don't maybe because they're skateboarding yeah but like there's things there's things to hit in subways oh you mean like things to ride slide on yes yeah exactly um interesting okay last one uh last one last one last one fuck um can i spare yeah yeah i I tag all the episodes as explicit okay (laughs) i'm very explicit um fuck uh the last one would just be I don't know, LA people and San Francisco people are just very different. Like, LA has much more of a New York kind of energy to it. Mm, how so? Um, Which aspect of the New York energy? Like, that everyone trying to get ahead or? Everyone trying to get ahead, but I also, San Francisco has always felt like the small town city to me. Mm-hmm. And that definitely does not feel like LA. There is, to an extent, people. Everyone here seems to know each other. Yeah. And always has. But right. LA does not have that. If it feels It's more clicky. It's more clicky. It's, just, it's so big. It's just yeah. so big. So there are I'm sure it feels like the small town city in certain areas, like maybe North LA feels like that. Right. But it just 
Yeah. It's yeah, a very not obvious thing. That... Where, like, everyone exactly. goes to the same fucking Erewhon or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Is there an Erewhon in Calabasas? Those For two sure. just seem to there go hand in hand. definitely is. <laughs> definitely is. It's yeah. It's the headquarters. Gross. Um, okay, that makes sense. I was talking to one of my coworkers. I don't know what we were talking about, but I mentioned a story or something. And they're like, wow, what were the chances of you running into them or something like that? And I was like, what? Like, really high. It's San Francisco. Like, it's very small. They're yeah. like, what do you mean? It's a city. I'm like, no, you don't get it. It's fucking it's tiny. tiny. It's tiny. It's so tiny. Um, the other day, I was freaking... I had to, like, hide from the Amazon delivery driver to my office. Did you know him? Yes. And I had to hide because <laughs> it would have been a disaster. And I'm just like, I think maybe that was what I was telling my coworkers. Just like, ah, this sucks, blah, blah, blah. Not, what are the chances? Are like, really high. But see, I wonder if it's like that for people who move here as an adult or if that's yeah. just because, you know, and everyone growing stays up here. here. Yeah. That's oh, true. Oh, also a thing. This is a terrible thing to be different between the two cities. Ooh, I'm ready. And we can, you can cut this out if you want to. But everyone, not saying myself, definitely not me. <laughs> everyone in LA fucking drunk drives. Ooh. Everyone. Like. Interesting. Ev- every fucking one. Well, I blame that on the lack of freaking yeah. public transportation and the fact that you're Ubering. 15 yeah, miles so is expensive so you get in a car Fuck. with five people it's terrible oh that makes sense yeah. what's the rate of like accidents for i mean i've never looked it up but i feel like i've definitely almost been in an accident multiple times yeah oh not with myself driving right yeah yeah. no i get it but very like joyously in a passenger seat when i right. shouldn't be this is so fun exactly How high school turn the music up higher yeah i'd love to not be able to hear us crash exactly you don't have your license that seems fine <laughs> I remember in college, I was like sober driving on like the Halloween freshman year. I did not have my license yet because if you don't remember, I didn't get my driver's oh, license until right. yeah, summer you guys all after waited. freshman year. Super weird. I didn't have a car. Well, also um, Muni. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I remember I was like totally sober, DD, and I packed like 15 people into someone else's car. Yep. And then like the cops started, just happened to be behind me. And I was like, I wonder if this is okay. <laughs> and it was like, not. Well, I didn't get pulled over and like everything was fine. But like, I wonder what's worse. Like, I wonder what would have happened if I had been like, hey, officer, like, I know how to drive, obviously. Like, I know I don't have my license, but here's my permit. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just trying to make sure that all my friends get home. It's winter. I mean, in I Montana. would hope they would appreciate that. Right. Like, I was trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And obviously, it's not like we were speeding. I was on like, I was going like 15 miles an hour down like, well, they oh, say road. that going too slow is also dangerous. <laughs> it was, the street was empty. Um, yeah, I don't know. L.A. I mean, but to be fair, we also did that here. Like, I remember sticking a ton of people, and this definitely, sticking a ton of people in uh, Todd Chen's car. Ooh. And Oh, they went to school together. Oh, okay. Yeah. T. Chen? sticking a ton of people in his car including people in the trunk and it was a sedan like i think we were were at mountain lake park and i sat on his lap while he drive and while he drove (laughs) yeah good times at mountain lake park (laughs) was that the time that or like like i drove there was like a huge party and we all like dropped oh it was at the windmill not at mountain lake no it was at the windmill (sighs) 
Good times. Good times. Love it. Well, moving on. <laughs> Today's story is something we've always joked about. We've made accounts. Maybe we've done it. Who knows? But we've all considered it at some point. So I wanted to share the story of the first sugar baby. San Francisco's own Alma de Bretville Spreckles. Say that one more time. Alma de... So it's French, so I don't really know how to pronounce it. Brett... Bretville? Yeah. Alma so de you Bretville. somebody with a really great fake French accent Yeah, right Bretville. <laughs> Can you say it for us? Bretville. <laughs> Bretville. Bretville Spreckles. Oh, yeah. So... We- Sources for today's episode include an amazing article written by SF Chronicle contributor Susanna Guerrero, an article by Dale Fay Ringer, and an article from Found SF. I didn't see the author's name. So, Alma Le Normand de Bretville was born on a farm in the sunset in 1881. Alma's parents were both Danish immigrants and struggled with near poverty during much of her early childhood. Her father, Vigo, claimed a distant lineage to French aristocracy and loved to let people know about it. And because of his, quote, royal ties, he decided he was too good for work. He became embittered and jealous of San Francisco's new wealthy class, whom he viewed as commoners undeserving of their gold rush wealth and privilege. Oh, he is a French aristocrat. (laughs) So Alma's mom, Matilde, became sole provider. Matilda was a solid woman through and through, and she managed to finagle the family to a downtown flat on Francisco Street that she was then able to convert into her own Danish bakery slash laundry service slash slash massage parlor. Mm. When Alma was 14, Daddy Vigo made Alma quit school so that he could she or that he could continue to not work and she could help provide for the family. So she quit school to work with her mom full time. She did all the laundry pickup for all the local elites and her mother would do like the washing. She continued to read and educate herself, enjoying biographies of accomplished notables and the local society columns. A fascination with fine art led her to enroll in night classes at the Mark Hopkins Art Institute, where she studied painting miniatures, miniatures, Hmm. um, which I don't know what like. I don't understand what that is, like miniature paintings or painting. But her wholesome beauty began to make heads turn, and she soon found herself working at an artist's model at the school, which paid for her lessons. Fed up with her meager financial situation, she accepted lucrative offers to pose in the nude for local artists who provided tastefully risque paintings to the many saloons found along the city's infamous cocktail row. Ooh honestly kind of a vibe right right also this kind of plays into it later girl is six feet tall she's a dane danes are tall you know yeah um good lines to draw oh right exactly so with money to spend on stylish attire and a growing local notoriety for modeling ventures because like girl was posted up like pictures of her were in like all the like cocktail bars very cool yeah Um, She blossomed into a proper belle of SF and attracted the affection of a minor, Charlie Anderson. Uh, She later successfully sued for personal deflowration in a breach of promise that made newspaper headlines. 
So you might ask, what is a uh, personal defloweration breach? Um, and I'll tell you. Basically, and I guess it was kind of common at the time, Alma was being like charmed by Charlie Anderson. And he had promised to marry her mm. and then decided not to. Ooh. And so she took him to court. And it kind of like... It goes pretty crazy because she is accusing him of like the breach of defloweration, deflower innate, whatever that word is, um, is basically like you broke your promise to marry me. And she thought she sought $50,000 in restitution fees for her good name being besmirched hmm. because because she thought they were going to get married. He promised to marry her. I guess he like took her virginity, which in that time's like, all right, she's a used woman. Mm -hmm. She can't get married. You're ruining her prospects now. She only slept with you because of the promise of being married. Mm -hmm. So she sued him for it. Um, throughout the course of their romance, Anderson gifted her with lavish garments, furs, and spending cash for many occasions. She was treated to stiff cocktails and decadent luncheons at the Cliff House, hmm. among other prominent restaurants of the time. Her family also benefited from the courtship, and they enjoyed the $60 opera box Anderson mm. secured so for them. So dad's finally getting to have mm. his little aristocrat moment. Exactly. Anderson had grown resentful of the young woman's desire for material goods, he told the court, and so he decided to cut the whole family off. But he never obviously imagined that he'd be sued for it. Who is this guy? He was just like an SF... I think he was a... He was one of the um, miners. He made money off gold. Oh, like a mine. Oh, okay. He wasn't like a in the trenches miner. Mm -hmm. He probably, I mean, all the real wealthy folks of owned mines. And they owned mines or they sold equipment. They were the right. ones selling the shovels or owning like train lines and yeah. stuff. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what his role was, but it was from gold mm -hmm. in some sort. So. Um, he says, I spent about five weeks with her and spent $1,500, which I guess I don't know what that is in today's money. So in doing the inflation calculator, let's see. Do, do, do. If in 1903, I purchased an item for $1,500, which is how much he spent, how much would it cost? Oh, wait. This is a silly calculator. We need a better interface. What's this year? 2023? Ugh. Calculate. Did I do it wrong? Mm. <laughs> What's going on? This is how much he spent in a month on her? He's in five weeks of dating. He mm -hmm. spent $1,500. Okay. In so, 1903. In 1903. 1500 Oh! <laughs> how much? Fifteen hundred dollars in nineteen oh three is worth fifty thousand five hundred ninety dollars. Wow, <laughs> she's expensive. She's an ex Alma. She's an expensive. She's a material girl. girl. She is. She is a material girl. So he's yeah, like he like I said before, his quote: "I spent five weeks with her, and it cost me fifteen hundred dollars, or fifty thousand in today's money." So that's crazy. Um, so Alma's case was actually, like I mentioned, also wasn't uncommon. It was called a heart bomb suit when women could successfully win lawsuits if they could prove that they were swindled out of an engagement. 
because of the implications of like being a ruined woman. Imagine if you could sue somebody for love bombing today. Ooh. Heart bomb. A heart bomb yeah. as opposed to a heart bomb. <laughs> I love it. If a couple had premarital sex without eventually walking down the aisle, a woman's social standing would be forever ruined. Conversely, the man could carry on scot-free. So in the courtroom, Alma told the jurors that Anderson grumbled about how much he'd spent on her, but also once threatened to end his life if she ever left his side. So typical man. But Charlie had a different recollection of their fling in his assertion that Alma pursued him, even when it came to their first kiss. He told jurors that while they were on a drive, she leaned in to steal a kiss, which caught him off guard. The second time she kissed him, Charlie contended he couldn't avoid her advances because she was six feet tall. <laughs> a towering figure figure compared to him. So, hmm. she was too tall, Charlie said, according to a 1902 report by the San Francisco Call. She just stooped down and kissed me and then straightened up again. Wow. <laughs> Despite the gifts and kisses, Charlie staunchly denied that he ever intended to marry Alma, even after he brought her up, bought her up. Mm. Despite the gifts and kisses, Charlie Anderson. Mm. <laughs> Despite the gifts and kisses, Anderson staunchly denied that he ever intended to marry her, even after he bought her a pricey three hundred seventy-five dollar Marquise ring. Is that how you say it? Um. Marquise, yeah, I don't know, whatever. No, Marquis, Marquis, M A R Q U I S E. However, you pronounce that. Is that like an engagement ring? Um, I looked it up. It's the shape. It's like the diamond mm. shape thing, uh, or uh, the setting. The shape of a diamond, diamond, like a turned square. Like, you know how a diamond... The yeah, bottom the, of a diamond yeah. when it's set in the ring? Yeah, something like that. Ah, whatever. It's a pretty ring. It was $375 in that time of money. It was just like half, one-fourth of his budget mm-hmm. that he spent on her-ish. Mm-hmm. So what is that, 10000 Something like that, yeah. Something a lot. Mm. Uh, he alleged that he had a problem saying no and only agreed to buy Sounds it. like this is his problem. <laughs> <laughs> he only bought it after Alma gave him no peace until he did. So when he gave it to her, she put it on her finger, holding it up into the light in a transport of joy and said, ain't it grand? Charlie says, it ought to be at cost enough. Uh, Years later, Alma looked back on the trial, rather pleased that it was, quote, the time I sued for personal defloweration and by God, I won. She sounds kind of like a badass. Right? It's like... Like, I'm mixed on her. But I'm going to go with badass for now until mm-hmm. I hear more. Because she she got it. She got it. She she I was poor. It's very Anna Delvey. It's very Anna Delvey. Like, she came from a poor spot, and by God... She, she made was, it. Yeah, she was going to do whatever she needed to do. It's also very Jenny from Gossip Girl. It is. I wonder how her dad felt about all this. He was honestly probably jealous or was like maybe trying to pimp her out. Or he was like, of course. I mean, I'm an aristocrat. That's so. true. It's only right that you get your yeah. like comeuppets. Um, but he did kind of pimp her out. Yeah. Yeah. So a year after the 1902 trial, Alma meets millionaire 
Adolf. I don't know if it's Adolf or Adolf because it's spelled like Adolf, D-O-L-P-H, not like the other guy's spelling with the F. Uh, so she meets Spreckles, a man more than 20 years her senior and the son of sugar tycoon Klaus Spreckles. Hmm. The Spreckles family had amassed an enormous fortune in the beet sugar trade and operated a sugar refinery plant in San Francisco beginning in the late 1800s. The family was so well off that Klaus founded Spreckles, California, 100 miles south of San Francisco, where Spreckles Sugar Company employees lived. Does that town still exist? I think so, hmm. which is like kind of kind of cute. Yeah, it seems probably pretty dumpy though. I assume, mm-hmm. um, like maybe the first to go even before the auto industry. The town devoted to sugar plant workers. Yeah, but whatever. Um, according to Jerome Kagan, who authored the book Alma de Bretville Spreckles: The Art of Extravagance. Oh wow! Alma and the younger Spreckles crossed paths after the younger meaning. Still 20 years her senior. Correct. Uh, they crossed paths after one of Big Alma's relatives, because she's tall. They Big called her Alma. Big Alma. I would be devastated if I that know, was right? my nickname. But maybe. Big Pregs and Little Pregs. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe if you have, like, it seems like she's a confident gal. Yeah. Like, she won in court. She's a nude model, and people think she's I mean, hot. also, yeah, she's you've tall. been like, a model. That's, that's confidence like, building, I would assume. And I guess there has to be an air of confidence around anyone who makes it from the bottom to the top of just like yeah i fucking did it fuck off you can't tell me anything because like what are you gonna i did this myself yeah what are you gonna try and tell me that i didn't deserve this no yeah you can't take it away from me somebody tried to and they failed exactly exactly so um they met after one of big alma's relatives who worked at the spreckles sugar company introduced the pair other accounts say the Spreckles admired the angel featured on the Dewey Monument so much that he insisted on meeting the woman who inspired it. I didn't mention it yet, but there's this big statue in Union Square modeled after her. Really? Yeah. It's like of, um, it's called the Dewey Monument. I don't know what. In San Francisco in Union Square. Still? Yeah, I think it's still here. Crazy. Yeah, it's like the woman in Union Square. The gold woman. She's oh, I think she's bronze, so Stone. she's like yeah, metally now maybe yeah. But it's called the Dewey Monument, and so yeah, it was modeled after her. Which That's is just, crazy. Yeah, crazy. Um, so whatever inspired the meeting, though, they met, and she was still desperate to climb the social ladder, uh, and Spreckles came on to her, so she was like lit. Let's yes. go. Let's fucking go. Husband number two. The couple. Well, she never well, married. Oh, true, time. true, 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 true. The couple dated for five years before they married in 1908. And they had three children together. And she nicknamed Spreckles her sugar daddy. Stop it. Because he was the heir to a sugar fortune and 20 years older than her. Is this the etymology of the term? Yes. Fascinating. Brilliant. What a zeitgeist. Right. That's like who fucking knew? It she did. It literally, Alma did. It literally is like a sugar as, daddy. It's as like literal as Brilliant. it could be. God, I love this moment. Right. So many questions answered. Right. I had no idea. And just yeah. like, wow, the term that's overtaken from like, our little city. Exactly. So sweet. Like, it's so cool. So sweet. It's almost like sugar. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I love it. 
That was great. Um, so yes, that's where the word sugar daddy comes from. Who ahead knew? of her time. Right? Ahead of her time. Six feet ahead of her time. <laughs> <laughs> Six feet in 20 years. God, I love it. So they had three children together. And to show his devotion, Spreckles hired Bay Area architects George Applegarth and Kenneth McDonald Jr. to design a spectacular residence with a panoramic view of the city. To begin construction of the Spreckles Mansion in 1910, a few existing homes would need to be torn down. Spreckles Mansion, Feels fair. Feels fair. Spreckles Mansion is the one next to Lafayette Park. The, the Daniel Steele house? It was the Spreckles fucking Shut mansion. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Is it actually? It was the Spreckles mansion. Spreckles built it for Big Alma. In how long ago? In Nin- what is this now? 1910? 1910? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, huh. was, this, it was. I've always been curious about that building because it simultaneously feels it, it has new money vibes, mm-hmm. but it's not built in the cheap way that some no, of those houses are. It's built like are. convent. Fascinating. Yeah, it's built of marble. Like, fascinating. Yeah, that's the Spreckles Mansion. Um, so fascinating. Yeah, whatever, casual. Okay. It became the largest private residence in the city, and decades later, home to Danielle Steele, who notoriously camouflaged the mansion with shrubs. It didn't have shrubs back in nineteen. Oh, because they wanted to be seen. They wanted to be fucking. Of course seen. they did. Get their money's worth. Yep. So pretty cool. Whatever. Um. And then here's kind of like a side story, and this is like going to be a whole episode in another day because it's fucking insane. Is this when I come back for part two? No, you'll just be here. It'll be all here right now. But basically, in this is like way before they meet. I want to talk about Adolf Spreckles for a second, the sugar daddy. In 1884, Adolf Spreckles wanted... He was 27. He wanted revenge over an article that the Chronicle had published about his family's company. He just didn't like what the Chronicle article had to say. And the Chronicle regularly denounced the Spreckles monopoly on sugar. And the recent article charged that the company was insolvent and that Spreckles and his father had misled and defrauded shareholders. So at the time, God, you're going to love this. The Chronicle was owned and run by the DeYoung brothers. Stop it. And Spreckles is so upset that he tries to shoot one of the DeYoung brothers. So deeply unhinged. Deeply unhinged. (laughs) Deeply unhinged. Uh, The first bullet landed in DeYoung's shoulder. He fell to the ground and Spreckles advanced and fired. By then, DeYoung had raised a package of books he was holding like a shield which deflected the shot from his chest to his arm. Oh, so he actually went about this. He wasn't plotting. He, no, no, no. He, he did, did it. it. He did it. Sensitive. A mm-hmm. lot of sensitive men in this story, <laughs> I just say. <laughs> um, at that point, a clerk in the office pulled a pistol from his drawer and shot Adolf Spreckles in the arm. Okay. And a Chronicle cashier vaulted over his desk, tackled Spreckles, and restrained him until the police came. Mike DeYoung survived the attack. And the resulting trial for attempted murder, murder, muckduck, muckduck. <laughs> obviously gripped the city. The Spreckles family, in addition to the sugar monopoly, <laughs> oh my god, the Spreckles family, in addition to 
its sugar monopoly also owned railroads, shipping companies, and real estates. So it was a household name. So everyone wow. was like... So it was a Western Astor family, kind of. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, they were a household name. The trial resembled the O.J. Simpson trial. I feel the closeness. <laughs> practically, practically siblings. Exactly. So love that. He got off and everyone was shocked, but it's like, he's our Sprax. You know, like he's going to get off. And then so back to Alma real quick. Oh, go ahead. Had the de Youngs done it? Like, what, who were the de Youngs at this point? Had they done anything they, of note? Started the Chronicle. Oh, they had, they they started the Chronicle. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Uh-huh. And they also had their museum at the time. Already? They had, yeah. They had spent money, like, devoted to the arts. Not at this time, but, like, when Alma comes into the picture. Because this happened in the 1880s. Mm-hmm. Alma doesn't show up. Until like, the 1905s. Yeah, and then in 10, the mansion gets built. Got it. So the Jung Museum, like, exists, but it's, like, kind of scrappy. Got it. And so... But they're people of note. Yes. And this is my... I think you're going to fucking love this. So Alma, you know, she's a she's a classy bitch. She studied art and mm-hmm. history and shit. And she, she loves... that 1920s Paris saloon vibe. Exactly. Salon. Saloon? Salon? It's oh, salon. It's salon. 1920s Paris salon. The, saloon the, the is art. the Wild West. Right. And salons are like the... Uh, More art. Art, art. You know, yeah. it's like Where Gertrude Stein, right. Picasso shit. Okay. You're going to lose your shit. So Alma... Well, okay. I'll rewind a little bit. Sorry. The Panama... Canal. So the World's Fair Panama Exhibition... Ex- is that no <laughs> exhibition? I was combining excavation. Uh, exhibition had just happened in I think 1908. I thought that was in Chicago. That was the World's Fair in 1889 or something. What did you just say? The Panama Sorry, World's Ex- deeply dissociated for like 30 seconds. That's great. That's great. There was essentially another World's Fair here to celebrate the opening of the Panama Canal. It happened in San Francisco. That's okay. where the Palace Fine Arts comes from. Oh, it's I left didn't know over that. from there. There was crazy, amazing architecture. It was it was a world's fair, essentially. Mm-hmm. And there was a replica of a French like palace museum mm-hmm. at the World's Fair. Mm-hmm. And it was like one half of the size of the real one in Paris. So Alma is like, I'd like to do I'd like to pay for some architecture in the city. So she builds a museum which is one third of the size of the French building at the San Francisco World's Fair and makes a museum. Stop it. Please don't say what I think you're going to say. <laughs> to like goad the de Youngs. Like, look how much better my museum is. Also, remember when my husband tried to kill you. I love that. But I also <laughs> thought you're going to say built a museum to house all the paintings of her. Which I was going to say. She did contribute. Sorry. She did contribute. A lo- I mean, her own art collection was housed in right. the, which is, it's the Legion of Honor. She created the Legion of Honor. That's all the freckles. And you go into, she has, I don't know, is it Rod- Rodan? Rodin? Yeah, R-O-D-N. Rodan. Yeah. Originals. All were hers that she all donated. There's like a room devoted huh. to Rodan and Alma Spreckles because she made that museum. Wait, I kind of love that. But do the de Youngs own that museum now? Well, what's funny, and this is the this is even better. It's so funny. Um, 
they're both owned by the same like city like they're both owned by san francisco they're on the same like membership pass you get a membership to one you get a membership to both which i have if you ever want to go i used to be the staff photographer at the de young yeah so they're now like it's just so cute and i funny. wonder what the they would have thought like i wonder if they could see this now if they'd be happy that they were a partnered museums or if she'd be right. like Fuck. right like God damn it. fucking alma fucking alma <laughs> with rooms devoted to her like her name's all over the museum and so is rodan obviously yeah but she donated so much of her own art and collected she like loved art so um kind of a bad bitch she kind of is and i think it's just so funny that like she so petty like she literally wanted to design it so it would outshine the de young i mean to be fair that building is beautiful i mean it's like a french castle essentially i mean not a castle but what are they called chateau is it a chateau i feel like chateaus are more they're like this feels like a little greek because it's flat I feel like it's technically Georgian architecture when it's really like when the kind of colony look is predominant. Mm-hmm. But there is a is it the Petit Trianon that it's modeled after? Ooh, um, I could find out in 10 seconds. Look that up. I think my my French history won't be lending itself here, but <laughs> um, I know I don't know what I know. It's fair enough. Um, but the cute little glass triangle is meant to be the replica of the one at the Louvre. Really? (laughs) Which, interestingly enough... Yes, please. So, the Louvre, when it was redone, I don't know, in 1980 or something, Mm -hmm. was... um, The architect of that was I.M. Pei, and he's a Chinese-American architect. Fascinating. And the French people were really upset that the Louvre was being redone by somebody who wasn't a French-born architect. So it was like... I see that. You know, nationally really, I don't know, questioned, wasn't really Mm -hmm. respected. But then internationally it garnered respect and opinions changed. But I thought that was really interesting that somebody who wasn't kind of of French origin was picked that project that is interesting that seems like that's also like not the french move no it's like, not has a frenchman ever gone to be like i want someone not french exactly. to do something art i mean but if you think about it like the louvre the the triangle part of it doesn't really align with the rest of the architecture there so it could have been seen as like a bastardization of historical architecture or an interesting way to juxtapose it it's just like i could see how you would lean either way right yeah interesting yeah and to circle back So, the Legion of Honor is a full-scale replica of the French Pavilion from the 1915 Panama Pacific International Exposition, which in turn was a three-quarter scale version of the Palais de Légion d'Honneur, which is the Legion of Honor. Mm. Um, So, I guess there's its bigger brother actually called the Legion of Honor in France, uh, in Paris, by some guy named Pierre Rousseau. Hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, Alma just used like all her money to throw parties um and when he died when her husband when her sugar daddy died she became the richest woman in the west Mm. she wasn't generally accepted by san francisco high society but she threw lavish parties that were often not well attended oh sad she drank she smoked and cut like a sailor respectable she used her wealth to travel 
so love her love her um it's thought that she did some of like like the creation of the legion of honor because sure she studied and loved art but it was like okay maybe they'll like me if i do art right maybe they'll respect me and let me into their like oh so she found yeah and this is like, kind of it's, it's, it's sad yeah. yeah yeah it's sad um almost spent a lifetime social climbing but she never reached the top her later years were lonely she donated to SF causes, drank pitchers of martinis, swam in her private pool, and mourned her declining social status. I mean, this is what happens when you put value in the wrong thing. Yeah. Well, it's sad because it's like, you know, I think she'd be stoked we were talking about her now. Yeah, totally. She's known. She's known post- how do you say it? Posthumously. Not, yeah, that's, I can't say it properly. Apparently, I've said it wrong and been called out before. So thank you. Yeah. Um, she's known as the great grandmother of San Francisco. Really? Mm-hmm, because so much of like in the city is because of her and the money she gave. I mean, Spreckles Lake is in the city. It's named after Adolf, but like whatever. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I guess in a time like that where what you're born into is so much more important than what you become mm-hmm. that it would be difficult for her. But right. San Francisco kind of grew out of that. Well, I feel. and then think about the confusion she must have felt too of hearing like we're royal, but then right. where's our money? So it's like an but endless identity crisis. And then here's these other folks who are technically, do- aren't they doing the same thing she did? Faking their wealth by like attaining it in like not mm-hmm. a like familial way. So why does she get hate for it? When, when the she's people who just actually, happen to sell shovels, yeah. like why do it they is deserve super it? backwards? Yeah, it's yeah. There's like, I mean, there's just so much psychology. Totally. To look into. I mean, yeah, the thought that it's looked down upon when you have to try to get the money that you have versus it just being handed to you. Yeah, like and, it should be effortless to be born right, into wealth. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. But yeah, that's uh, Alma. That's our girl. I love Alma. I'm I'm mixed about her, but in the best way. Mm-hmm. Like I'm mixed about all people. Right. It's like she sounds. She's a zeitgeist. She, a woman ahead of her time. Yeah, as the girl was just trying to. I guess also like another psychology. She's also bit. like kind of a sugar mommy, to be honest. Like <laughs> sugar mommy. She's not the, the original city. sugar baby. She's the sugar mommy of San Francisco. She is. She gave us so much. Yeah. She, oh my God. Respect. Respect the original sugar baby, sugar mama, mm-hmm. Adolf, the sugar daddy. I just think it's, I can't, I keep circling back to how literal it is. I love that. It's perfect. I love that. Because I guess I never really thought about where that term right, came it from. Because it makes sense. Yeah. Older guy. And yeah. And like, money. Sh- like yeah. sugar, like something sweet. Yeah. Like, but yeah. yeah. Sugar. Literally. It all comes down to sugar. Always. Just invest, like. Invest in sugar. <laughs> It this, did just like tobacco. This podcast sponsored by Domino's Sugar. <laughs> I'm going to call them. You They're should. Like, hey, have you heard of Alma? Honestly, such easy product placement for <laughs> yeah. them. It's deeply embedded right? in the story. Why aren't they just on, why aren't seeking arrangement, arrangements in every sugar company? I think they're having a tough time because Domino's Sugar used to have this massive factory in Long Island City in New York. It was huge. It took up like a good bit of the waterfront. And in 2015 or 2016, it shut down. And Carl Walker, um, who's this black American artist, did an entire installation and used sugar as the material for every piece she built in there. It was brilliant. You should look it up. Um, But 
something tells me that they're not in their heyday any longer mm-hmm. now that we're into stevia and um, fucking, fake fucking sugar. Splenda. And apparently sugar prices are going up, even well, for Coke Zero, even though well, there's not I, sugar in I've there. I've heard the prices of Coca-Cola are going up, so. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, that concludes the story. Thank you so much for being here. So happy to be here. I hope I get invited back. You will. Yay. There's just so much to chat about. So much. Um, yeah, that's the story of Alma. Thank you for listening. Um, and see you next week. Bye. Love you. Mm-hmm.